0: Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be here with you today, both online and here at Modbury. Throughout January, we've been going through a series called One Word, as we all know. And one word from God has the power to change our lives. I've really enjoyed the January series and been encouraged and challenged by every one-word message. Dave Hall's word was grace, God's power to transform a life. And you might remember the story about his grandfather. Dubsey spoke about obedience, despite our fears... Continuing to step out in obedience as Moses did, knowing that God is with us. And Roger spoke about the importance of having faith, trust in God uh, that leads to obedience. This week our word is identity, which is about who I am, how I see myself and what difference that makes. Knowing who we are in Christ will change our lives. Over time, uh, I'm understanding my identity in Christ more deeply, and this understanding is changing my life, bringing me deeper stability, joy, and peace. Dr. Timothy Keller, pastor of uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, writes, when we stop building our identity on career, on our race, on our family, or any other created thing, and and rest in God, The fears and drives that enslave us recede and we experience a new freedom and security. I'm so thankful that this is exactly what's gradually been happening in my life. How about you? Do you have fears and drives that make you feel trapped? In what areas of your life would you like to experience a deeper sense of freedom and security? How could knowing your identity in Christ make a difference to this? Recently, we all saw one of the greatest rescues of all time, a rescue that changed the identity of the rescued and the rescuers alike. Who can remember in July 2018, the boys' soccer team who were stuck in the Thai cave and their amazing rescue? As the events unfolded, they captured the attention and the heart of the world, People were watching, hoping, praying. The Cave Luang Cave has, rescue has some remarkable parallels to what God has done for us in Christ. So I wanna draw a few of them out today. As the world watched, hoped, and prayed, something very deep inside the watching world said that these boys mattered. They were worth expending every resource and exploring every innovation to try and rescue them. There were some in- interesting innovations you might remember. Uh, because we just wanted to set them free. We wanted to see them free and safe. So the wild boars soccer team went into the Tam Luang Cave system to write their names on the cave wall. It's, it was part of an initiation ceremony. But then, unfortunately, torrential rains came down. Caves flooded, and they were trapped. Um, the boys couldn't swim very strongly. The boys couldn't save themselves. They were completely dependent on someone coming to rescue them. Any rescue would be difficult, dangerous, and even potentially fatal, even for experienced cave divers. Meanwhile, back in Australia, Dr. Richard Harris, actually in Adelaide, just got a plug for Adelaide, uh, or Harry, was an anaesthetist and a highly experienced cave diver. He was watching the events unfold, communicating with the British divers leading the rescue attempt. Craig Challen was Harry's friend, a veterinarian and fellow cave diver. They went to Thailand joining a massive international rescue attempt involving Thai Thai Navy SEALs, British divers, uh, with assistance from the US, China and Israel. It would have been easy for Harry and Craig to stay comfortable and safe here in Australia. but. Harry didn't want to watch at a safe distance while the rescuers struggled and potentially the boys perished. It was Harry's care for the boys that propelled him into action. Harry left safety and prosperity in Australia to enter a difficult cave system. Knowing that it could cost him his life. Dr. Richard Harris and Craig Challen became heroes. Both received prestigious awards for their skill and bravery. They were joint Australians of the year, talking about awards earlier, for 2019, which is a bit of an identity change. The coach and the boys were changed forever as well. They are now known as the rescued boys. In fact, many of the boys were stateless, uh, including the coach, and they gained residency and citizenship in Thailand. Let's just pause for a moment, imagine what it might have been like to be one of those boys in the cave. If you like, you can shut your eyes and then you'll get the dark aspect of it too, but no pressure there. None of them had told their parents where they were going after soccer practice. All parents warn children not to go into these caves. There's signs up warning you not to go into these caves and here they were trapped in the dark. No one knew where they were as far as they knew. They were afraid, they were cold, they were scared. They were wondering if they'd ever get out. And uh, over time, the oxygen levels in the cave also started dropping. Imagine for a moment get in touch with how that might feel to be one of those boys, cold and trapped and afraid and feeling guilty about doing what you had been told not to do. As amazing as the Thai cave rescue was, let's talk about the greatest rescue of all time. Jesus could have stayed safe and comfortable in heaven. No risk, no pain, no suffering, no death. When Jesus came to rescue him, rescue us, he knew it would cost him his life. It was God's love for us that compelled Jesus to come and rescue us. It was because of God's love for humanity that Jesus left the perfection of heaven to enter a broken and pain-filled world. When Harry uh, and the colleagues decided to anaesthetise the boys and tow them out through the flooded caves, they were taking the risk that one or more of the boys would die. In fact, they didn't expect to be successful, but it was the best possible chance that they had. If one of the boys died, they would have had to wrestle with the guilt about that for the rest of their lives. They risked having to carry a burden of guilt. Jesus knew that the sin, guilt, and shame of the whole world would be placed upon him on the cross. On the cross, Jesus, who had never sinned, experienced the crushing weight of all our sin and guilt. It wasn't a possibility, it was a certainty. On the cross, Jesus absorbed the full punishment of God against the sin of the whole world. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus' coming when he wrote that. He was wounded and crushed because of our sins. By taking our punishment, he made us completely well. All of us were like sheep that had wandered off. We had each gone our own way, but the Lord gave him the punishment that we deserved. On the cross, Jesus was treated as we deserved so that when we believe in him, we receive a relationship with God that is a gift based on Christ's performance and moral efforts, not based on our own efforts or performance. But God goes a step further than this just forgiving us, as if that wasn't enough. He adopts us into his family as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. 1 John 3, 1 affirms the truth. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The rescue of the soccer team took thousands of people at an estimated cost of over a million dollars, but the trap boys and soccer coach were poor. They could not afford to pay the price that was required, or certainly never even pay it back. Our rescue cost the son of God his very life, a price we could never afford to pay. 1 Peter one18 18-20 says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The, the text says you were redeemed, and redeem means to pay a ransom, uh, to which the ransom a person to get them out of slavery or captivity by paying a price. We were redeemed from the empty way of life handled down to us. We were redeemed by the blood of Christ, the most precious thing in the universe. More precious than silver and gold, God giving up his own life to pay the ransom for us. And we have been redeemed to eternal life, a life full of faith and hope, embraced by the love of God. This is absolutely something to celebrate. The whole world celebrated when the last boy was successfully removed from the cave. I don't know if you remember, he was actually the smallest boy and they didn't think the mask would fit, so even though they successfully brought all the others out, um, the divers were extremely worried about that last boy. We're told that all heaven rejoices every time just one person turns back to God. In life, we all find identity in family, relationships, roles, passions, capability, professions, power, or perhaps wealth that varies for each of us and it varies over time. As Christians, however, we have a rock solid foundational identity in Jesus Christ, the Christ who has rescued us. As people who have accepted and received the gift of God's rescue, we've become children of God Brothers and sisters with Christ, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, our very life, our identity rests solidly in Jesus. I'm wondering, are you secure in your identity in Christ? Or are you striving to work hard to establish your own worth and identity? Or perhaps you're trapped feeling that you're not worth much or not good enough. Only a gospel identity will give us both dignity and humility. When we know about the good news about who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, forgiven and adopted into God's family, we are able to stand tall, full of dignity and strength, no matter what life throws at us, able to serve others in love. We can have dignity because we are not worthless. We are worth so much to God that Jesus was willing to come and die for us. We can have humility because none of us are good enough. We can't consistently live up to our own standards, let alone God's standards of perfection. God loves us and so he gives us perfect goodness or righteousness as a gift. When I was growing up, um, we had neighbours and he was a builder and um, I think they had four children and every time one of them turned 17 and got their Ps, he, they, the parents would buy them a brand new Mercedes Benz. Go figure. <laughs> the insurance bill there, I'd hate to think. And uh, so imagine if one of them went to school and said, look at my brand new car. I think their friends would go, wow. And you're so lucky. But they'd also say, why are you boasting about it? It's not like you earned it. It's not like you did anything to deserve that car. It was a gift. And to take this a step further, the Bible tells us that even our possessions, that all of our possessions, abilities, and our goodness are due to the gifts and the work of God in our lives. And if you want to know where I get that from, come and ask me. I just didn't have room to put it in where do you find your identity security and significance the problem is that when we're doing well in these things that are important to us we can actually become a bit proud and look down on others who aren't doing as well in these areas on the other hand when we're doing badly we can feel useless worthless and insecure and it's quite possible to flip back and forward between proud and insecure which can just be exhausting We need a reliable source of strength and stability. We belong to God and if we find our sense of identity in being adopted into his family, this will give us peace and rest that we are seeking. How are you going with this? How are we going with this? Do you feel like you need to prove your worth to others or to yourself? What might it be like for you to let go of relying on these things and instead say to yourself, God loves me, he values me, he's redeemed and adopted me. He's at work in my life, and that is enough. What about Jesus? He was and is the eternal son of the Father. How does knowing who he is affect Jesus' life? There's a fascinating little word actually, well phrase, in John's account of Jesus that I really love. It's just before Jesus washes the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. John 13, 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Did you notice that word, so? Jesus knew his identity and destiny. He knew where he came from, from the Father, and where he was going to the Father. Knowing his identity enabled Jesus to take the lowest place and serve. So it is for us, if we know our identity and our destiny, we're set free to serve God and others. We don't need to care about position or status anymore. You know our status as children of God and as citizens of that kingdom of heaven is far better than anything the world could ever offer us. Experiencing the love of the Father who has paid the price to adopt us into his family gives us a secure identity. This understanding of our our identity will enable us to wash other people's feet as Jesus did. Sick, rejected and marginalized people flock to Jesus because Jesus loved each of them. Do we have the same love as Jesus, born of humility, knowing that our salvation, redemption and adoption are free gifts from God, that we totally don't deserve. When our hearts are captivated afresh by the beauty of who God is and what he's done for us, this helps us to turn away from lesser things like position, achievements, and possessions, and turn fully to God, and rest in our true identity as his children. It's all very good in theory, isn't it? But let me tell you a little bit about how this works in my life. Just over three years ago, I started a new role as the spiritual care coordinator at the Women's and Children's Hospital. One of my roles is to support families, patients, staff in the paediatric intensive care unit. And the staff are highly trained, highly educated, highly competent nurses, doctors, senior consultants. And then also frequently there'll be families when I go into PICU where there's been a terrible accident or a terrible illness and the child or baby is probably going to die or possibly might die. How could I have the confidence? How can I have the confidence to fulfill this challenging role? I could just try to tell myself, you've got this. But no, it's not convincing. I don't, not in my own strength and not in my own ability. So what I do is I remind myself of the scripture, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything from ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Recently, I'd been wrestling with admin emails a little bit behind on my stat sheet, not feeling good enough and wondering, what do I have to offer? Who's ever experienced that if you wrestle too long with something that's not your natural gifting, it doesn't take long for you to become discouraged and deflated? So I paused before I walked into uh, PICU, the intensive care you know, and thank God that I don't stand in my own righteousness. I stand before God completely righteous because of the finished work of Christ. It's not because I had a productive morning or I'm efficient and excellent at all aspects of my job. Thank goodness. I reminded myself that I'm called to be a child of God, that Jesus promises to be with me always. And that Jesus promised that because I believe in him, streams of living water will flow out of me. It took about 30 seconds to pause and remind myself of these these truths. And my stress and anxiety levels came down significantly. And I was able to step into the unit having exchanged my insecurities and inadequacies for Jesus' presence and promises. Remembering my identity in Christ, I was ready to listen, care, and support in whatever way was needed. So how can this truth, so how can we help this truth about our identity in Christ really sink in and affect the way we see ourselves, God, and others? An interesting way that works really well for me is to watch my emotions and reactions to things especially if I'm anxious, flat, discouraged, depressed, overwhelmed, hurt, angry, and my reaction seems out of proportion to what's actually going on. So often it's because my identity, security, value and worth is tied up in something other than God's love for me. As Saint Augustine said, our hearts are idle factories. We are constantly creating things that we look to and rely on instead of God and his love. Once I have an idea about what's wrong in my heart and what's wrong with my thinking, I'll look for scriptures and songs that speak God's truth instead of my faulty point of view. For example, no matter how much I get done in a day, I often feel that I should have done more. This is because my righteousness or my sense of being a good enough or okay person can be caught up in my productivity. So I went to YouTube and found worship songs about righteousness, played them, sang them, prayed them thanking God for the truth that my value does not depend on me being good enough. Then I have spent time thinking about Bible passages about our righteousness being in Christ. Gradually over time, some up, some down, I've felt more free and less condemned if I feel like I haven't achieved as much as I'd like to in a day. And also interestingly, I'm now, now that I'm freer from self-condemnation, I'm also more gracious to other people, especially in that area of productivity. If there's one key idea from today, it's this. The more we know our true identity, loved by God, redeemed and adopted, the more security, freedom, and life we have. We are set free to love and serve, with Jesus walking alongside of us, teaching us how to wash feet, how to work with him and walk with him in the unforced rhythms of grace. I believe that it is worth investing effort to focus on these truths so that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. One of the things that I love about God is the way that He gently takes truth and applies it to each of us as individuals, always with the intent to heal, to strengthen, to encourage or to redirect. What might God have been speaking to you about today? As we pray, you might like to put your hands forward in a position of openness, humility, and receiving from God. Let's pray.